Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity. It's been uh, an incredible series these last seven weeks. And we get to this final section, this final phrasing in which Jesus says from the cross, his last words from the cross. The last words that people say are really kind of special. Uh, There's a, a famous sort of story about this guy named James Rogers and he's standing in front of a firing squad, and they asked him what his, his final request would be. And he says, all right, well, I would like a bulletproof vest, please. Which is pretty, pretty good. There's a, a story about a union officer, true story. He's sitting on this horse, and he is looking out at the Confederate Army in the Civil War, and he says, those guys couldn't hit an elephant at that distance. And then he shot dead right in that moment. That was his last words, which is ironic. Another guy, Pancho Villa, his last words were, I don't want to die like this. Tell them I said something, which I kind of feel like that's what mine would be. I want this epic ending to my life and have this great last statement. And I would be, "Ah, tell them I said something. (laughs) And I die. The last words of Jesus Christ are, a lot better than that. We find it in Luke chapter 23. If you have your Bibles, you can open there or it's going to pop up on the screen. We see him, he says this, by this time it was noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the thick veil hanging in the temple was torn apart. There's a couple of things you got to catch there. First of all, uh, we don't realize this, but Jesus Christ was crucified at 9 a.m. in the morning. So he's been on the cross for six hours, but about noon, it went completely dark. So everyone sort of is kind of in and seeing this moment, like there's something amazing happening. And this veil tearing here, there, this could be a whole sermon by itself because of this symbolic thing that happens. There was this holy of holies. And only these holy, holy people could go in there and talk to God. Well, the symbolic meaning of this veil tearing is that the Holy Spirit is coming after this moment. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and we can have a direct relationship with God. We don't need anybody going in and talking to God for us. So this is a huge, huge moment that happens right here. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. As we look at these final words, it's sometimes tough to trust God, to trust God with our life. In fact, most of the time, we may feel like one of these people up here. Here comes Carlos to pray for the offering. Time to get that checkbook out. Sure could use that extra 10% this month. But the kids' the tuition's coming up soon, and I got the car insurance. But I didn't tithe last month, so I really should this time. What's the big deal if I didn't? There's plenty of people at this church that are already giving enough to cover the budget. It's not as if one person can make that much difference anyway. Uh, well, I could sure use my whole paycheck to, to cover my own expenses. I'm sure God understands because I still have that house payment. I just can't believe it. I never would have thought. What am I going to do? I totally screwed up. 
it's not like I can take that back now. That's a black spot on my record. I'll have to carry like a burden for the rest of my life. I know I should confess it, but I can never tell anyone. I'm so ashamed. No one would ever look at me the same way again. How could they? If I can't even look at myself the same, how can I expect anyone else to? Especially God. All that's left of me is an ugly, repulsive creature. How could he forgive that? It just happened so fast. How could you just... Oh, I don't even know what to say, God. What can I say? Would you even listen? Would you even care? I mean, obviously you didn't care when you... You took her away from me. How could you? What's the point, huh? I mean... What purpose could this possibly serve? Was this part of your master plan? What about all your promises? What about, you know, everything for good? What a lie. There's no good in this. I could no longer trust you, God. And if I can't trust you, then... I've got nowhere else to go. Let's pray. God, we come before you right now. We ask that you would speak through us through these words. Speak to us. Where we come into this room with so many different issues, so many different problems. God, I pray that you would help us through your word and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know where you're at in life. Uh, there's a lot of different things that pop up here and there, but sometimes you're in those darkest moments of your entire life. Sometimes you find yourself stressed and just at a point of no return. In these last words of Christ, he really pulls out four particular things to do in your darkest moment, four things to remember in your darkest moment. Number one it's I'm in God's hands. Remember in your darkest moment that you are in God's hands. One of my favorite things is when I'm late at night around 10 or 11 and we're at Disneyland, I've got my kids and I say, all right guys, it's time to go home. They always do the same thing. They start naming off rides nearby saying, well, can we at least go on that one last ride? I'm like, no, we've really got to get back. And they so don't want to go until we reach that that enormous Mickey Mouse and Friends parking structure. This thing is so big. And when we get there, all of a sudden their legs just stop working. And they're just begging, Daddy, please hold me. I'm tired. I can't do it. And I'm thinking to myself, self, I could really lay down here on the concrete and probably fall asleep and be fine until the morning. I'm so tired. The last thing I'm going to do is carry my kids. But we still walk those three football fields to the car 
And we get to the car, I buckle everybody in, and before we even leave that parking structure, they're all asleep. They're out. My wife's like snoring next to me. (laughs) When we finally get home, it's this special moment in which I get to carry my kids up to their bed. And they're getting a little bit bigger, so it's getting a little bit harder, but as I'm holding them and I'm looking in their face, I just want to kiss it, and I love them so much. They're weak, they're tired, they're like drooling on themselves, and they're going to wake up in the morning fresh, alive, having no idea how they got into bed. The last thing they're going to remember is that they were at Disneyland, and then they wake up fresh and ready to go in a new day. And I love that. I love that moment, and it reminds me of my God because I know He loves me far more than I love my kids. And that he is, when I am weak and I'm tired and I'm drooling on myself because it's just been too much going on, he takes his big arms and he's holding me. And I wake up the next day fresh and ready. I don't know what happened. I don't know what he did, but he was holding me. He was kissing me. He was taking care of me. That is my God. I know I'm in God's hands When he does that, when I'm in the darkest moments of my life, I see that. As David was standing before Goliath, he was looking around at all the people saying, have you forgotten that we are in God's hands? Everyone else saw the situation and said, it's just, it's overwhelming what we're about to face and we can't face it. And David is shocked that they had forgotten who God was. Jonah was running from God's plan. Somehow along the way, he had forgotten that God still wanted to use him, that he had a master plan, and Jonah was going to do a huge thing that he really didn't want to do, and he ran away from it because he forgot that he's in God's hands. We see Paul writing from prison. He has no idea when he's in prison and he's writing these words that millions of people are going to be affected by these words for thousands of years All he sees is that he is in this prison, he's in this dark place, and he's writing these words because God still has an incredible plan for his life. Many times we forget that God has a plan and that we are in God's hands. And if you're here today and you're in that moment, you need to trust God. Trust that you are still in his hands and that he loves you. The second thing God shows us through his last words are that my father can be trusted. One of the great questions of life that you're eventually going to have to answer is who are you going to trust? How many of you in here would say, I trust the government with my life? Yes? <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it's ridiculous is what it is. But most, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that would say it's up to the government to take care of me. And that's where they have put their trust. They put their life in. We might say, I trust in the media for my life. Again, a ridiculous statement, I think, except that we constantly are watching the media, watching the news, and just trusting everything that's fed to us. All the latest trends, all the reporting around the world, that if they say it, then that's, that's the truth, and this is the way it is. What about social culture? In social culture, this is the one where you're in the grocery store line and you're looking at all the magazine covers and you're saying, yes, I trust this with my life. These are the answers to my life. Or you're watching the commercials and we're saying, no, absolutely not. That's the dumbest thing you've ever said. And that's not true, but anyway. And yet we find ourselves continuing to chase all those same toys, those same lifestyles. There's this expectation that if we can obtain what we see in social culture, that we will be good. 
we will be taken care of if we have all of that. And even if we're doing really well at those three, the fourth one usually gets us, and this is a trust in self. I can handle it. I can take care of myself. I'll do it. Or we have that, that, that saying, that gut feeling, I just know. I know when I'm talking to someone, there's something emotionally that I just feel I know whether this is right or wrong. The problem with that statement is that emotions can lie to us. Whether or not you have a good night's sleep is going to affect your next day and the emotions and the feelings that you have through that whole day. If you have a bad burrito for lunch, it's going to affect your next meetings. It's going to affect how people are perceived in your mind. Emotions are constantly lying to us in everything that we do. My first response when somebody hurts me is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not that immediate response that I have. Forgiveness comes as I think, you know what? There is a right response. There is a right and wrong, and if I really want to move on with my life, Forgiveness is probably the right thing to do here instead of what I emotionally feel. Emotions can be manipulated by those that know you well. I could be up here touching on very touchy subjects and it can affect your emotions and what you're feeling. Emotions lie to us. So I would suggest to you, if you're going to entrust your life and your future into something, you want to choose wisely. You want to have someone who has your best interests in mind. You want to trust someone who knows everything about you, someone who is perfect, who created you, and knows what your purpose in life is, someone who would never lie to you, which begins to limit your options. In fact, it really limits it to one, God. Psalms 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord holds true, and everything he does is worthy of our trust. You have a Father in heaven that you can trust. So when he says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands, that word entrust, it comes from a Greek word, and it means to commit, to yield. The way it's most often used is as a deposit, to deposit something for the safekeeping of another person. You want to think of it like a safety deposit box. The reason you have a safety deposit box is you have something of so much value. It's an heirloom or something that is just worth a ton of money. And you don't want it in your house because it could be broken or a fire or it could burn it up or it could be stolen. So you take it to this insured bank with big bricks all around it in this box that is solid. And you put it in there because you want it to be safe forever. This is the word that Jesus is saying. I am entrusting to my Father. I am making a deposit of my life, my soul, my spirit for him so that it is safe Whatever you entrust to God is going to be safe. It's going to be in this safety deposit box. Other people in our life, they don't have the same track record of keeping things that we've given them safe. But God has a track record of always, always keeping what we entrust into him safe. Paul knew this. He's in Rome, 2 Timothy 1. He's saying, I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust. And I'm sure that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. So I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed until that day. Second John 1, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out in the world. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. 
What's he saying there? He's saying life can be hard. There are deceivers. There are those out there that are attacking you. It's, it's not always easy to trust God in every situation. Many of the greatest saints throughout the Bible, some of our heroes in the Bible struggled with this deep depression, this despair, an overwhelming sense of, God, what are you doing? Some of them in their lowest points in life actually said, I wish I had never been born. It's a pretty depressing statement. David says it in Psalms 13. Jeremiah says it in Jeremiah 20. And Job says it in Job 7. I wish I had never been born. Our heroes have been there. That depressing feeling of not even knowing why you're here. Elijah, Moses, and Jonah, all three great heroes of the Bible, at one point asked God to kill them. God, kill me. Just kill me right here. I'm done. I can't handle it. Yeah, they've been there. So if you find yourself at that low point in life where you are stressed and overwhelmed and depressed, you're not alone. Our heroes were there as well. The Bible says this, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself, which is really good news because what it's saying to us is if there's that point in which sometimes we say, God, I'm not even sure you exist. I'm not even sure if I believe you anymore. I'm so depressed. I'm so low right now. God says, even though you are unfaithful, I am faithful because I cannot disown myself. This is a great thing to know because if we have put it in that safety deposit box, if we have entrusted it to him, if we've given him our life, he will not disown us. He will not be unfaithful to us. I don't know what you're going through or where you're at, but we have a father in heaven who loves us. And he says, I am worthy of your trust. Entrust your life to me. The third thing Christ shows us in his final words is that God is working behind the scenes. We just got back from this incredible week on the river. It was a blast. People got to know each other. Brad almost killed me on an inner tube. It was fun. It was a really good time. And it all happened magically. The whole thing just sort of happened, right? Absolutely not. There were people working on that trip for months, there were people that put all the details together, where we're going to be, what we're going to do. They had activities at night. They had dramas, and people were there and set up all the sound equipment. People were working on their boats for months in advance to make sure we were ready. The food just magically appeared right when we were hungry. No, there were people behind the scenes to make that happen. Behind the scenes is not something we don't understand, and that's the stuff we can kind of see. There's also all these other behind the scenes where you happen to be at the perfect place to hear about the trip and say, yeah, I think I, I, think I want to go on that. I want to get to know this church a little bit better. I want to get a little closer to God or that, that point in which you just heard the right thing at the right time. See, God is always working. He's doing things behind the scenes that are fun that we could do, but he's also working behind the scenes when we're in those moments when we feel like he's not there, we're not sure what's going on, and we're like, God, where are you? He's working behind the scenes in those moments as well. There is this unseen spiritual realm that we are told about all through the Bible, a spiritual realm where God is working behind the scenes. In Job 23, it says, when he, God, is at work in the north, I don't see him. 
When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Paul says it like this. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's the stuff that God is doing behind the scenes. When you're going through your darkest hour, you remember that I have a God that loves me. I can entrust my life to him. And he is working behind the scenes to take care of whatever needs to happen. And finally, Christ shows us in his last words that he can handle it. He can handle anything that I give him, including my doubts, my complaints, my pain. He can handle it. He says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Into your hands. This is a beautiful expression of what's happening here. It's this this expression of security and trust and ability. I'm entrusting it into your hands. We've stolen this statement for thousands of years. You know, you have, uh, I'm in, you're in good hands with all state. They stole it from the Bible, those guys. <laughs> what are they trying to say? They're trying to say when you're in crisis, you know, your house burns up and you have this insurance company, what happens? Hey, you're in good hands. You're safe. We've got you. We'll see if that actually happens, but whatever. I, I like the book of Peter a lot. The book of Peter is a really interesting one because there's this church he's talking to, and throughout the entire book, this church seems to be really struggling. We never know what that struggle is, but they're dealing with all these issues, and, and over and over, you see Peter say, press on, uh, you're going to be all right, persevere. He pushes all of these statements to say, come on, you guys are going to be okay, keep going, move forward. He closes the book, and he says this in Peter 5.10, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Over and over, we see that God can handle it. In your most difficult situation, he can handle it. And we ask, how can you handle this particular situation? Well, he will bless you. As we watch Jesus walk, he often would touch people to bless them. This touch that he would give, it was an amazing touch, and people would touch him and just immediately be blessed. It would just shoot through them like lightning. Over and over, we see this blessing from God happen. The, uh, the Bible says, the Lord will hold you for all to see a splendid crown in the hands of God. How will God handle it? He won't forget you. God's hands are scarred to never forget you. He's scarred in his hands, his feet, his side. He has scars on his head. And those scars will be there forever. You and I, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to get this new body. And I'm excited about the new body because my body's breaking down. (laughs) It's breaking down constantly and it's really annoying. And so I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to have this new body. And any scars I have, any sort of stuff that's happened, doesn't matter anymore. Because there's only one person in heaven that keeps the scars. He doesn't keep them as a way to like, yeah, these scars is from you. He doesn't do that. Instead, with these scars, and we were told this, it's a remembrance of his incredible love for us. It's a reminder to you and I, we're going to see those scars, and we may not get it now, but when we see that moment, we're going to get it. 
And it's gonna be like, wow, the love, the outpouring of love will overwhelm us and we'll remember the incredible gift we've been given. And those scars are there for his remembrance of us. He will never forget us. And it's a love kind of never forget. I won't forget you. I have the scars to show my love for you. What you're facing, what you're going through, I can handle it. It's not a problem. I have the scars to show my incredible love for you. I will never, ever forget you no matter what you do. God can handle it. How can he handle it? He saves you. John 10, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hands. Once you put your life into God's hands, nobody can snatch it out. My father-in-law, my mother-in-law, they have this beautiful pool. That's not their pool. That's just the kind of visual of a pool. But their pool has this waterfall that goes all the way around the back. He literally made this himself. He's, he's amazing. And he tells me about it. And so there's this waterfall. <laughs> there's this waterfall, and it's pretty high. And all my kids have kind of climbed up it, and they've been on the edge, and they've all wanted to jump. And they sit there, and they sort of, like, pressure each other, and they sort of, you know, they push each other. But they don't jump until I finally I go out into the pool with each one of them, I've done this, and I stand in the middle of the pool, and I say, go ahead, jump. I've got you. Don't worry about it. I, I'm not going to let you drown. Trust me. Jump. And they still hesitate, and they hesitate, but eventually, they always jump. And you dads know, as soon as they make that first jump, what do they do? It's over and over and over again, they want to jump and jump and jump until finally you're like, okay, seriously, I'm going inside. Now, you guys, if you're on your own at this point. I, I love that visual, though, because I see my God that way. I see my God saying, you know, I'm hesitating, I'm struggling through something, and he says, jump, I've got you. I'm not going to let you drown. Trust me, I've got you. Jump, I've got you. And we hesitate, and we're like, ah, I don't know if you can handle this particular issue. This one, I don't know if you can handle my doubts. I don't know if you can handle this. But once we finally do it, and we trust him, and we jump, We'll do it over and over and over again our whole life because we realize we can trust him and it starts to get fun. Life gets fun because you know he can handle it. Second Corinthians 1, I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard time we went through in Asia. We were really crushed and overwhelmed and feared we would never live through it. Sound familiar? We felt we were doomed to die and we saw how powerless we were to help ourselves, but that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God, who alone could save us. For he can even raise the dead. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. It's a statement we should say forever. When we're afraid and we're scared, we're worried about what to do next. Father, I place my life into your hands. When we find ourselves stressed out and angry and bitter about what people have done to us, Father, I place my life into your hands. When we are confused, we don't know which way to turn, we're lonely, we're ashamed, Father, I put my life into your hands and he can handle it. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we thank you for this gift of the cross. We will never forget it. And God, every day, we will worship you and thank you for it. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around for a few minutes, if you're in here and that jump for you is the need for this Savior in your life, this Christ in your life, maybe you haven't done it before, you haven't heard it before, but something through the worship or the word, and you said, I need this Savior, I need this God, I'm not going to pull you up front, I'm not going to do anything weird, I want you to take that first leap and raise your hand and say, that's me, I need this God in my life. Just quickly lift it up and say, that's me. Pray for me. I want this Savior. I need this God. Quickly lift it up. Anyone else? Amen. Secondly, if you find yourself in this room, and when you watch the skit, it almost brought you to tears because you see some of that coming to life in your And you're saying, I need to trust this God. I need to have an incredible amount of trust that I just don't have. If you're in here and you want prayer for that, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I need to trust God again. Just quick, lift it up. Leave it up for a second. Anyone else? Amen. God, we are absolutely in love with you. We are overwhelmed, and we are in love. God, I pray that forever we would trust you, and we would know that you can handle no matter what we face in life. We love you, and we give you this. In Jesus' name, amen.